Welcome to Making Sense with Dustin LaMontagne from Research Capital. My name is Bryn Griffiths. Dustin joins us as always. How are you doing today? Real good, Bryn. How's yourself? Fine, thank you. We're going to bring it up. Two words, Bond Massacre. Yee. Where do you want to start with this? Well, it's been a, it's been a, a very uh, tumultuous uh, year in the bond market. Uh, pe- people uh, that are investing don't really talk talk or think about the the bond market because it's the stocks that get all the glamour uh but the bond market interestingly is is probably about 10 times the size of the the stock market it's it's massive every company out there and every government uh issues uh bonds and and a, and a bond is just you know debt so it, it's it's uh, an investor or a pension fund or one of these sovereign wealth funds they're lending money to an entity um uh, and, and that entity agrees to uh, pay back your capital with, with interest over a certain specified time period. That's all a bond is. It's just, a, just one entity lending money to another. Um, and, and, you know, the thing about bonds is uh, they're typically looked at as a fairly stable investment, right? The safe part of your portfolio. Right. Um, so it, it's not very often they get crushed, but... Uh, the thing about them is interest rates and bond prices are inversely uh, correlated. So when one goes up, the other goes down. And of course, we've had massive uh, interest rate increases in the last, uh, well, I'll call it eight, nine months. Um, and, and as a result, the uh, the yields on bonds have gone up. So I'll, I'll explain that in a second, the difference between, uh, you know, the, the yield and the actual interest rates. Um but when, when uh, the yields go up, it means the price of the bonds has gone down. So as a result, anybody sitting with bonds that they previously owned or in these bond pools, uh, and I'll get into that in a second, uh, they're down considerably. So uh, that safe party, your portfolio might be down 20% this year on the bond market, especially if you've got a, a, a long, long bond portfolio. And again, I'll, I'll explain that in a, in a moment. Um, you know, you've got these uh, massive mutual funds out there that are, are balanced funds. And uh, all the banks have them. They're famous for their balanced funds. Uh, RBC, I think, is the largest in the country. And then, uh, you know, I used to work for CIBC, and we had this uh, proprietary product called Personal Portfolio Services. And inevitably, uh, a client would end up, you know, half half of their money in, in bond pools. And that's all fine and well if interest rates are, are high and they're stable. Uh, but if you've got bond pools and you get into one of these rising rate environments, uh, you better be moving your money because mathematically it's impossible to make money in a bond pool if interest rates are going up. What if, so, what, what if you're just getting started and you uh, got into that? Is this a good time to get in or is it just a nervous time for everybody? Well, it's a good question. It's it's interesting because when when interest rates go up, typically at near near the top of that cycle, um, or the end in that cycle is is usually a good time to be starting to buy bonds. So, right uh, for the first time in a long time, I'm looking at five year bond and, and GIC rates. Uh, you know that you can get five percent on. So it's probably uh, a good time to be looking at some of these pool type investments now, or even individual bonds. Uh, but, you know, full disclosure, I haven't owned a bond or a bond pool for, for clients in the last 10 years. Right. Um, interest rates has just been too, too low for me to even take that risk. You know, you're not getting paid anything to, to hold the bond. 
you know, before this year, I think the 10 year government of Canada bond was less than 2%. Well, who wants to lock their money away for 10 years at, at 2%. So I've been using for the better part of a decade, I've been using dividend stocks uh, like telecoms and pipelines and um, utilities and banks as bond proxies. Um, so I, I've been getting really good dividends for clients, uh, you know, in some cases upwards of three, four times what the bond market's been paying, uh, on, on common dividend stocks. So, uh, uh of course, uh, interest rates going up has changed that. I'm starting to look at fixed, in- fixed income again now, if I can get good quality, especially on the corporate debt side, uh, if I can get good quality uh, bonds at six or 7% for clients, uh, it's money we don't have to think about as long as it's safe. And, right. uh, so I'm, I'm starting to look at the bond market again for the first time in 10 years. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, we've, we're effectively in a, in a bear market in bonds. They've been absolutely crushed. Right. Uh, I, I think the 10 year treasury in the U S has gone from about one and a half percent to, you know, four and a half percent in, uh, less than a year, which is a huge move. Um, you know, you're talking about a 300% upside in, in the, the actual, uh, yield. So what, what, what is, uh, what is yield? What do you need to know about that? Well, yield is simply, the uh, interest rate equivalent that a bond will pay on any given day. Okay, so your your yield is the exact same thing as your uh, coupon on the day you purchase your bond. Okay, so bonds are usually uh, issued at what's called par value. So you buy them at $100. Um, and let's say that's a 5% bond. Uh, on that day, your yield is, is 5%. Okay. Okay. But as, as we've... As we've uh, discussed earlier in this podcast, in, when interest rates go up or down, it imprices, impacts the price of the bond. So your yield can change depending on what happens to the interest rates. Your interest rates goes up, your yield goes down, your interest rates goes down, your yield goes up. So, of course, you want to buy with as high a yield as possible because that's the whole point of uh, the bond investment. Right. right? Um, and then you have something else in the bond market called duration. And duration is important because it measures the bond's uh, sensitivity to those changes in interest rates. So the, the, the thing that's important about, to know about duration is that the shorter the bond, uh, the, 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 the less, uh, it, the, the less, uh, volatility it has, um, to changes in interest rates. Okay. And that's all duration is. Um, you can think of duration as, a uh, a, a teeter totter, that wedge underneath the teeter totter. Um, if, if it's right in the middle, that's, that's your optimal level of duration. As that wedge goes up or down, the teeter totter gets out of balance. And, uh, y- you know, so if you're at the long end of the bond spectrum, like your, your average yield to maturity on your bond portfolio, say 10, you're going to have an extreme amount of volatility in, in, the, the interest rate increases on that pool. Okay. So it's just something you have to watch and, and, and a good advisor will uh, be cognizant of that and, and direct you uh, accordingly. You said you were going to break down these bonds a little bit. Do you want to do that? Yeah, essentially, um, you know, I, I think most people get their fixed income. Most Canadians are familiar with GICs. Yeah. And, and a GIC is, is no different than a bond. It's just that banks don't tend to trade GICs. But if you were to trade your GIC, it would 
Uh, also, the value of that GIC would fluctuate. If interest rates go up, the value of that GIC would go down. And, and quite simply, the, the reason uh, bond prices are inversely correlated to interest rates is because they're always bought at par value. So if you buy a 5% bond at the start of 2022, January 1, and you uh, it's a five-year five-year bond or a five-year GIC paying 5%, and now interest rates by the end of the year, they're up to 7%, and you want to go to sell your bond or GIC on the open market, well, guess what? No one's going to pay you full price right. for a, a GIC paying 5% when they can go buy one at the bank at 7%, okay, yeah. or through their friendly neighborhood broker. Um, so that's the reason you would have to sell your bond at what's called a discount if interest rates are higher uh, than when you paid a than when you bought it. Uh, by the same token, if interest rates are lower, your 5% GIC uh, is higher than the current 3% rates uh, by the end of the year, you can sell your, your bond or your GIC at what's called a premium. Okay, so there, there's this, this uh, ebb and flow that goes on in the bond market. Now, if you're buying a bond and you're just gonna hold it to what we call maturity, you buy it on day one and you're just going to hold it and, and get paid interest for the full five years. Right. You don't really care what's going on with interest rates um, in, in that time period. And as a result, if, if, a, if a client comes to me and they're looking at uh, investing in something very safe and they want me to build them a bond portfolio, we have various strategies that we use. Um, you know, we might stack the long end of the, the spectrum or the short end. Um, or we might build a ladder uh, where you have uh, bonds maturing at different uh, lengths, so one, two, three, four, five years, et cetera. Okay. Uh, so there's a lot, of, a lot of strategies. Bonds are boring, but um, th- th- they are uh, can can be considered essential at, at certain times. Um, some entities like pension funds and and uh, uh, you know some of these uh, balance funds. They're required to to hold a certain percentage of bonds. Uh, that's in their um, sort of in the nuts and bolts of, of what dictates the fund or the pension. Uh, but as a as an independent advisor, I don't have to follow those type of rules. I, I don't have to hold any bonds for my client if it doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. So that's why I, I sometimes see people with these massive positions in in balanced mutual funds, or they might have a a, a pure play bond fund. And I just shake my head because I know that they're not going to make any money in that in a, in a rising rate environment. Um, so if you, if you know, you're not going to make any money in something, uh, you know, you might as well sell it. Yeah. Why do it? Yeah, exactly. So the the whole point is we're trying to maximize profits and, um, the, these entities will say, well, that's the safe money. And if the stock market goes down, you know, we, we need that as a foundation. I, I call BS on that. Um, I, I don't uh, I don't see any point in holding an investment that I know is is not going to make money. So, gotcha. Um, I, I'd rather hold it in a in a cash instrument like a T bill, um, which which is still a form of a bond. A T bill is still debt, but it's short term. So where we're at now in the cycle is you can you can almost get a, as good a, a rate on short term cash, you know, thirty, sixty, ninety day deposits as you can for five years. Uh, I think even some of these premium bank accounts are, now are paying about 4%. So right. um, it, it's about the first time in, in a long time that you can actually get fairly uh, good returns. And and to me, it's healthy. The, uh, the bond market looks like it's back to where it should be uh, and the pricing. 
I'd like to see the long end come up a little bit, like uh, have a little bit of a premium for locking your money away. It's not the case at the moment, but I think that will correct itself. Uh, yeah, that's kind of a, a bond 101. Well, I'll tell you what, if somebody has further questions on this, we're not answering them here on this podcast. They can call you or drop you an email. How do they get a hold of you? You can call me on my cell phone, 780-905-7729, or uh, email is dlamontang at researchcapital.com. Dustin, as always, thanks for your time, man. Thanks, Bryn. Okay, well, that's it for today. We'll have more helpful hints coming up on our next episode. Don't forget, all opinions expressed are solely Dustin's or mine and do not reflect those of Research Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Research Capital may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Thanks for listening to Making Sense and have yourself a great day.